0: Welcome back to the Don't Write That Book podcast, where you can learn how to write your bestseller and own your authorship. Follow along with us as we give you an insider's view of the book industry. Now, here are your hosts, myself, Mike McCallowitz and A.J. Harper. Welcome to Don't Write That Book. This is Mike McCallowitz here. I'm joined by A.J. Harper. Good morning to you, A.J.
1: Good morning.
0: How'd you like that Taylor Ham egg and cheese?
1: Oh, <laughs> I did just eat half of one. Oh, you had half? Yeah. It's really good. I love their sandwich. It's a very Jersey thing.
0: It's very Jersey. It's funny, anywhere I travel in the nation and should the should should the subject come up uh and I ask people, oh, "What's your breakfast sandwich of choice?" and I mention Taylor ham, like, "What is that?" It's Canadian bacon everywhere else in the world, but it's it's not Canadian bacon because it's spiced a certain way here. It's only available in North Jersey, as far as I know.
1: Is wait, that's Canadian bacon? It didn't taste like it at all.
0: No, no, because it, it, it isn't. I mean, that that's the the starting foundation. It's the closest thing uh, that people would recognize as Canadian bacon, ham, but but it's spiced and so forth, and it's produced, I think, in North Jersey, but it's only available here in South Jersey. They call it pork roll.
1: But it's, then it has. Then it, does it have a different?
0: Oh, it's a different. It's different in some capacity. Taylor is the company that makes this Taylor ham, which is a type of pork roll. So the North Jerseyans and the South Jerseyans really get into this. Wow. There's actually t-shirts. And if you're on the border of North and South Jersey, which is, it's questionable where that is. Some people think it's Route 78. Other people think it's like, Jersey, <laughs> it, like disputes break out. It's like, I'm from pork roll territory. And the other one's like, I'm from Taylor Ham territory.
1: I feel like this is now your introduction that you're. Yeah, I just did mine. <laughs> you're Taylor Ham. <clears throat>
0: AJ and I have written now ten books together, eight titles. Two of them were revised and expanded. AJ also has written a book you must read called "Write a Must Read," which I can kind of Yoda it and say "Must Read." Write a Must Read, (laughs) like it is an amazing book, and I think it is one of it is the defining source in writing a modern extraordinary book. So get your copy today. That's my introduction of you, AJ. All
1: right. Well, my introduction of you, you already said you wrote 10 books. I think uh, I, I really want to emphasize the fact that you are a um, bleeding heart for entrepreneurs. Thank you. Like, I've seen you come to tears <laughs> I'm about it right now multiple times. Yeah. Over stories that people share with you. Thank you. And it means the world to you to help entrepreneurs. You really do believe in what you teach. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um,
0: Today we're gonna talk about hybrid publishing. The official title is Hybrid Publishing Right For You. And this is, I believe, kind of a modern phenomenon. Hybrid publishing didn't exist in its current capacity until recent years. There was traditional, there was self, um, maybe there was a vanity press in the middle, but but there's been a rise of hybrid. Could you explain, AJ, what hybrid publishing is as you define it?
1: So it's supposed to be that you are getting the traditional publishing experience complete with the uh, editorial team, marketing team, which to be fair, you're still doing most of the marketing, but there's still people who are positioning your book, um, production team, et cetera, like you would get with a traditional publisher, and in some cases, trade distribution, which if you wanna learn more about, we do talk about it in detail in episode one. But unlike traditional publishing, you are making an investment as an author. So you are putting money in to have that experience. So that's what it's supposed to be, that you are getting a traditional publishing experience but you're paying for it.
0: And sometimes I incorrectly mix in vanity publishing that term with hybrid. They are different. What's the distinction between the two?
1: So the top tier hybrid are supposed to be, and you can hear me emphasizing this for, for a reason. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to be people, who, uh, publishers who are selective and have a submission process. Unlike say a vanity press who's just taking anybody and getting their book to market and that's their is their book production, right? Mm. Getting a book to market, not really concerned about if that book sells. A hybrid publisher cares, well, the best hybrid publishers care about their catalog. They're selective about it. And it fits their mission, just like a regular publisher. Mm-hmm. And they're selective about whom they choose because they do actually want to sell books.
0: Do they... Get a share of royalties? Why do they want to sell books?
1: Yeah, they get a share of royalties. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. But their structure is different than a traditional, where a traditional gets a higher percentage of royalties than a hybrid, typically. Is that true?
1: Say that one more time.
0: That a traditional publisher
1: yes. will take more. Yeah. So you're looking at um, the best hybrids, if they follow the industry standards, which we can talk about in a moment, are going to give you anywhere from 50 to 90%. Now, 90 Pretty rare, but it has happened. Mm-hmm. Fifty to ninety percent, uh, of net, whereas you're looking at fifteen percent, ten percent of list, if you're going traditional.
0: Yeah, which I wonder if you run the numbers. So let's talk real quickly of list. So if a book sells for thirty dollars, it's fifteen percent of list is four dollars and fifty cents a book. Mm-hmm. If it's a of net, net is after what cost.
1: Well, the problem with traditional publishing is after all these sort of costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with hybrid, it's really just what are the wholesale fees or distributor fees and print costs. Well, actually, if you're if you invest in a hybrid publishing deal, you are also paying the print cost.
0: Oh, you so okay, so that's been removed from the net, but you are paying it direct. So let's say the net would instead of being thirty dollars list, it may it be twenty dollars. Yeah. Okay.
1: And from that, you'd be printing.
0: Okay, so say it's twenty dollars and you get fifty percent. So now you're saying ten dollars a book, but you do printing, so it's four. So maybe you net six or seven dollars a book as opposed to four fifty. Yeah, you can That's make a lot math. more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, some research we did. Bowker found that hybrid publishing grew forty three percent. This is from twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen. I realize those numbers are you know eight years old, but at least it gives you perspective. Comparatively, traditional publishing had two percent growth over that same period of time. So traditional publishing. Is growing slowly, but growing. And hybrid is growing explosively.
1: Yeah, and right. I would say that some publishers are adopting hybrid models, you know, partnership agreements and so forth. Um, with authors, they're, they're finding things that are they can do that are similar to hybrid. So it's taking hold.
0: It's taking hold, yeah. Including Penguin. Yeah. You know, I just, my most recent book deal I did with them is a profit share deal where it's a higher... Royalty. Basically what it is 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 it's a share in the net.
1: Because you and I are all about the long game. It's all about the long game. It's true. And it was so funny. When I was
0: talking with Noah over there and Adrian and Noah's
1: their editor, Adrian's the publisher. The publisher,
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for the clarity. When I was talking with them, uh, they said you, you really are interested in this? I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. So it is the long game, but the I consider it almost like spinning up a flywheel. We were talking about the profit first royalties that came in. Like this the book's the first version came out 10 years ago. It's still generating royalties. Toilet paper entrepreneurs still generates a little bit here and there. Like these books still produce a royalty stream. It's it's a flywheel and there's this perpetual return. So I think maximizing your long term gains, as long as you're gonna sell the book on the long term, is the better approach.
1: I mean, that's honestly when you say don't write that book, this podcast is about the long game. Yeah. Because oh, like when you have, when you are short-sighted, when you take shortcuts, when you're only thinking about what's immediate, you miss so many opportunities. And one of the opportunities you miss is making more money.
0: So there was this 2019 study that came out from the Alliance of Independent Authors. said that over 50%, it's 53% specifically, of authors had published one or more of their books through a hybrid publisher. One last thing I want to share is there's the Independent Book Publishers Associations, the IBPA. One thing you and I were talking about is with the boom in demand for hybrid publishing, there's a lot of people that It's like the Wild West. Yeah, they they give themselves that label. The IBPA seems to be the best sorting ground for the quality ones.
1: I would go there, check out that you can see who is a member, which hybrids they recommend. Yeah. Um but also they published a uh, publishing criteria. So a set of standards that you can easily go grab from ibpa.org. Um, maybe we'll put them in the show notes. And uh, they said this is what all hybrids need to do. This is what they must all adhere to. And I think before you go looking for a hybrid, you need to read those that, that set of criteria.
2: That's
0: excellent. Yeah. Tell me about the opportunities to work with a hybrid publisher.
1: Yeah. So more control is probably the biggest one. That's why m- most people choose a hybrid.
0: Can't define that.
1: Well, you know, with a traditional publisher, as you know, you know, it's not like they say this is the title and this is the cover, but they do have that perpetual veto. Mm-hmm. So you just go around and round. Yeah. You know, they're ultimately not going to let you, Mike, say, this is the cover, this is what we're doing, right. this is the price, this is the release date, any of that stuff. With hybrid... It's ultimately up to you.
0: Including the price of the book?
1: Well, they're going to recommend the price, but mm-hmm. you're the one that has to pay the cost, you know. Yeah. You have to pay the, pay for the printing. Yeah. So they're going to do all of the due diligence and say, this is what we recommend. Because remember, a good publisher understands what the market will bear. You know, they'll hear from the sales team if they had trade distribution. Okay, we think that's priced too high. We mm-hmm. really want to be able to move it. We want it come down this much. Mm-hmm. That's super valuable. You want to know that. But ultimately, you could say, forget it. I'm going to charge this. So you do have control because you have made the financial investment. But they at least are going to advise you and put forth their uh, collection of knowledge, Mm. which is important and valuable. But you have control. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, You get a bigger piece of the pie, which we just talked about. You get more money in the end. Um, I feel that the great, pu- really good hybrids are partners in a way that I don't think as many traditional publishers are. Some small presses can be, but big publishers just don't have time to be partners in the same way that a hybrid publisher can be.
0: Can you give me an example? You worked with a the, with the hybrid publisher yeah. for your own book.
1: So I obviously know how to self-publish, done it many times with different authors, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Traditional, I could have gone to go get a deal. Mm-hmm. I chose hybrid. Specifically, my book is published by Page Two, which is a top-tier hybrid, mm-hmm. because I did want control, and I wanted that money in on the back end. I mm-hmm. really wanted more, and I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to have the long game. But I also wanted a team. I didn't want to put everything together myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, It's... Enough to market it and write it. I know, I know. And since I know what it takes, I, oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, let me have them do it. Plus, they are um, they they specifically like to work with entrepreneurs that are thinking about how their book fits into their overall goals. And so we're always having discussions about how to sell more books.
0: That's and that's what you would consider the partnering. Yeah. They're always looking at options. <coughs> you know, I spoke with Trina. Is she one of the owners? Yeah, Is Trina. That right? Speaking of Trina, she's like, oh, AJ and I are working on this book. I'll tell you, if I call the owner, there's no such thing as the owner, I guess, of Penguin Random House, they don't know who I am, who you are, because of the pure volume of the books they produce. Yeah. Um, but Trina knows you.
1: Yeah, so she just came to New York. She came to New York to, um, uh, page two is amazing because they, well, they're amazing for a lot of reasons, but they also have a traditional, they have trade uh, distribution through Macmillan, which is mm a big five publisher. So my book is actually distributed by big five. Mm-hmm. And um, she she came in to do some meetings and we had uh, lunch mm-hmm. and we just kicked around. What should I write next?
2: Oh, that's interesting.
1: You know, so it's, it's really is a partnership.
0: Yeah. So, I, and I guess that's due to the nature of their size. They're, the, yeah. they're big enough that they have influence. They're small enough that their authors matter.
1: Yeah. And I'm not the only, I'm not special in that regard. They're yeah. going to do that with other authors. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. They also, I will say, you know, they published Phil Jones, who wrote exactly what to say. Yeah, he sold over a million copies. Yeah. They published Michael Bengay Stanger, who wrote. The oh, I just talked Habit. to you yesterday. Oh, you did. I remember
0: the first time? <clears throat> He's the nicest guy.
1: Sold an ass ton of books.
0: He, Michael, uh, Phil, myself, and now twenty other authors are getting together uh, this July, this summer, at Don Miller's house for a day. Oh, fun to share, but yeah, this is something I started two years ago, and I invite every author to do this: surround yourself with complimentary authors, your contemporaries. And so uh, we're all getting together now. Michael's in the—I didn't know Michael was with Page Two. It sure is. The coaching habits, the coaching habits, and
1: all great. his other books. Yeah, he's
0: got eight eight books. Yeah. So it's funny. This—I know I'm taking this down a little rabbit hole. I said, Michael, when we have this gathering, would you be willing to talk in front of the group for fifteen or twenty minutes on how to create a a best-selling, perennial best-selling book. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I'll talk about it. He said, I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> he goes, I've written eight books. And he, and we were talking about kind of in hindsight, you, you look at the dots and you can line everything up. But he's like, you can make figures out of clouds. Like looking back, you can make a story out of anything and say, oh, this is why it makes sense. But it doesn't mean that's the reality.
1: I don't know. I feel like he did a lot of things consistently. Yeah. And that- can be modeled. I think
0: one thing that came out of that conversation with Michael was that, uh, that at the end of the book, that the, the reader of the book can come away with that one profound idea. And it's so sticky, uh, that they can just parrot it kind of profit first, take your profit first. His is ask questions in the coaching habit. And the, the biggest question was what's on your mind. And that opens up this whole dialogue of, of learning about someone else. Yeah. All right.
1: All right, so uh, back to our list. Yeah. Again, we had more control, bigger piece of the pie, partnership with your publisher, also quality standards in terms of editing, design, uh, et cetera. That's all part of a top-tier hybrid experience. Yep. And you know that's something that you can make sure of just by looking at their books. Trade distribution, which we've talked about a lot. Again, episode one, you get more information about that. But in a nutshell, trade distribution is not just fulfilling demand for your book, but creating demand for your book. Could you explain that? Yeah. So it's you trade distributor trade distribution. There's a sales team. So I just mentioned that Macmillan is the sales team for Page Two. That's over a hundred people. I don't know the exact number. I want to say it's like 116, 120 people on their sales team trying to get books that are coming out into Target, Costco, Barnes & Noble, Little Stores, Book Clubs, other, you know, big library consortiums, you name it. They're out there hustling and pitching to get those books on shelves.
0: And I assume the sales team is trying to, of the books they have available that they can sell, they want the best-selling books because I'm sure they're commissioned too.
1: Well, they're out there pitching front list. Front list are books that are about to come out or recently came out. So they're focused always on what's coming, right? But they will actually do work on a you know strong backlist, but they're focused mostly on frontlist. So then also, uh, I would say that the other two things that are important about you know the opportunity to work with hybrid,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're more nimble and flexible. So they can do interesting things. They can do, you know, we mentioned Phil Jones. They do all these custom books for him.
0: He's the ultimate of repackaging content. Yeah. And exactly what to say has come out. Exactly what to say for real estate agents. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and he'll do these print runs of, say, 5,000 books or 3,000 books just for real estate because he can't.
1: Exactly. And they they partner with him on that. Yeah. And they can be flexible. And, and they they were flexible with me with certain things that I needed or wanted. So I think that I also, you know, and I talk about this in my book. I had a lot of really, I wrote that book during the pandemic. Uh, or actually, I was in the process of writing it when it hit and then had a lot of personal challenges, which I wrote about in the book. And they were able to move with me when I had to make changes in my schedule and so forth to accommodate just life, which isn't necessarily going to be the deal uh, with traditional.
0: You and I walked into Penguin's offices and a famous author was sitting there with yeah. the most panic struck in the face because that person had missed multiple deadlines yes and the the hammer was a coming down because i guess traditional publishers perhaps it's due to the size they, they got to keep the gears moving and if one one gears out it can start stripping all the other ones i wonder if it's due to the nature of the size and maybe the model of hybrid publishers that they had the flexibility
1: yeah i mean they it still doesn't mean that i got to pick my release date i saw that they'd be pushed back a season and they yeah they still have dominoes, right? That fall. So.
2: Yeah, okay. But
1: and then the last thing is access to a team. In traditional publishing you're primarily just dealing with your editor that acquired your title or who was assigned. And I had, you know, I was I had access to half a dozen people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: D- direct access to half a dozen. Uh-huh. People. I would say with a traditional publisher, I've access to the marketing team. Uh, I think three or four people. No, but no, the editor is the liaison.
1: Right. So in my case, I meet everybody in a big kickoff. They're all part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, it's a much more of a team approach. I got you. I got Yeah, so you. those are some cool things. Is
0: that true through all uh hybrids would you say or is that specific to Page 2?
1: I think I well, I, I did don't publish with other publishers, but I know great hybrid publishers like uh, Wonderwell. Yeah. Uh, she Writes Idea Press. You know, they all have teams. Yeah. They're all they're all trying to create a lot of those people came from traditional publishing. This is what you need to understand. Mm. They came from traditional and they wanted a better way. Mm. So they made it. they created it.
0: Mm, that's cool. Uh, it ain't perfect. It ain't all roses. So what are some of the challenges of working with a hybrid publisher?
1: Well, I think it's mostly in how you find one, actually, because if you it's vetting, that's yeah. the biggest problem is how do I know I have the right one because There's always going to be challenges with any publisher, whether it's hybrid or traditional. There's always going to be a not quite perfect situation. um, Because as I said in an earlier episode, your publisher is not your fairy godmother. Your publisher is not your boss. Your publisher is your partner. And that's the mindset shift you need to make. But that said, I think the biggest problem is people don't know how to vet hybrids. Because anybody can say, I'm a hybrid.
0: Right. There's no law enforcing it. So.
1: Okay. Most, I would say most hybrids that are out there are really just offering you self-publishing packages, but not telling you that.
0: Would there be an easy way to distinguish if they're just doing a self-publishing package versus being a true hybrid?
1: Um. Yeah, there's certain things you can do to vet them. So again, I mentioned the IBPA publishing yeah. criteria, but there's things I do. Like I'll go see, here's an easy one. Do you... Ask them, Who's, do you have trade distribution and who yeah. is your trade distributor? Yeah. So don't just accept yes. I had a student, you know, I trained my students so well. Yeah. A lot of times people are frustrated with my students because they have so much knowledge. So they go on asking these surprising questions, right? I had a student who went to an event where there was a hybrid publisher at, you know, the little exhibits, right? So because I trained them well, she said, do you have trade distribution? And the hybrid publisher said yes. And then upon when she did her own homework, they do not. Oh. So you have to ask, who is it? And it just takes a minute to figure out if that's actually happening. Um, And it's okay for them to say, we do. You know, sometimes they don't, you don't qualify for trade distribution because maybe you don't have a big enough platform. But at least have that conversation, you should have that option. Another one is to see, you know, <clears throat> What do they include developmental editing in their package? So when you've got a hybrid publisher that costs $5,000, you're not getting developmental editing. It's not happening. Mm. Or if you are, <clears throat> that person is not qualified to do developmental editing. That's an expensive thing because it takes a lot of time and you need people who have experience in the genre and they cost money.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's
1: a tell. If, if your hybrid publisher says we only cost $5,000, you're getting a self-publishing package.
0: What is the normal price range? Is there such a thing for a hybrid?
1: I mean, I think you can expect to pay minimum 25k. Okay. You can also go up way over six figures. Okay. Now, I don't I personally choke on that and yeah. I think you and I are alike in this. Yeah. No, cannot do over six, but you know, for some people it's a, it's worth the investment.
2: Yeah.
1: Um but I think, you know, 25, 35 is pretty, pretty standard. Pretty
0: standard. And that excludes printing the books themselves. Sure does. Yeah. So that's the team to write the book with, well, you write the book, but it's, it's all the componentry except for the printing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Oh, that's another thing. That's another tell. Do they only do print on demand? Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, that's how one way you can tell they don't have trade distribution.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: So, you know, and then are they more concerned about the upfront payments or about the sales?
0: How do you know that? How can you distinguish that?
1: Well, let's see. Is their marketing copy? Are they mostly talking about people who became, got a lot of clients and lead gen and speakers versus Mm. how many books they sold? Mm. Go look at their books. Don't just go on their site and see the sample books. Go onto Amazon, search the books, are they pretty much tumbleweeds? Meaning mm-hmm. nobody's reading this book. It has like three reviews.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The rankings super terrible. They forgot about it. Mm-hmm. That means the publisher also forgot about it. So if you see that's the norm, it's there will be exceptions. There will always be books like that because authors have to participate. Oh yeah. And publishers can't make that happen. Yeah. Right. But go see, uh, you know, do a random sampling. And if they all kind of show up like that, then that's also a sign.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Dale shared with us, and I just want to read off a few of them, the IBPA's hybrid publisher criteria. Again, this is available on their website. Um, but what some of the things that are interesting is that it's so in parallel with what you've been saying. Uh, first of all, they define a mission and a vision for their publishing program. But their 10th uh, item or 10th listed criteria was do they demonstrate respectable sales
2: Mm -hmm. you
0: know the proof is in the pudding but there's also there's new hybrids coming about i guess if someone's brand new as a hybrid they just have to disclose the fact they're new and you're you're, yeah
1: transparency i mean it can be cool to hitch your wagon to you know a brand new hybrid for sure
0: uh a couple other criteria they publish under their own imprint and have their own isbn's Uh, oh actually here's a good question the isbn for your book. Was that signed by page two?
1: Yeah, Okay. because they're my publisher. Because
0: they're a publisher, so they own it. They own that. They own yeah,
1: the ISBN. But they don't own the copyright. No publisher owns the copyright. But they, they own just the have distribution the rights. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's the key distinguishment. So as an author, you always own your, the copyright, the material you've written. Yeah. But they are licensed to distribute it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and is that for life or is that for a period of time?
1: Depends on your contract. Yeah. <laughs> How's
0: yours? Do you remember?
1: Oh, mine's life. Yeah. 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 Yours like, is life. Yeah, I <laughs> life too. Yeah.
0: Try to get it for five years. Stop <laughs> kidding.
1: I mean, smaller presses will do that often, especially with genre fiction. You know, that's very common.
0: Yeah, I guess a smaller press too to get a bigger name author maybe would, or someone they think can move a lot of books will take that risk of reducing the term five years, 10 years.
1: I mean, maybe. I think it's mostly about... um here's the deal with small you know when I had my small press we knew that a book was mostly going to be done selling within five years yeah really more like two yeah right so that's the logic behind it I gotcha yeah
0: let's talk about the financials for a hybrid we already talked a little bit about the costs the expected range 25 you know up to six figures even but let's talk about the royalty shares the what are What's the royalty structure you have? Just to give us a sense uh, for how your book's... And is it for every um, format the same? How does that work?
1: So I get more than 50% um, for for net. Um, of print? Yeah. So I make... Uh, I'll just tell you... Let's just figure out the... Co- so my book, I think, retails for $27. Okay. It's in hardcover. Okay. I make roughly $8 a book. Okay. And the reason I make that... Is because uh, you know when you have trade distribution, trade distributors take a big cut. They take a usually around twenty five percent on top of what Amazon's taking. Okay. So when you have trade distribution, that's part of what happens. Is there's a bigger, more people need more of the pie. More people are claiming. Slices. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So
0: if uh, running the math in my head, it's roughly say thirty percent of the retail price. If your book sells for twenty seven, you get eight. It's roughly thirty percent. Which in a traditional, what I have, is 15% of retail. Oh,
1: I misspoke. That's about what I'm making after my cost.
0: After you print? Yeah. Okay, so you're making even more than 30%. Say it's 40 or 50%. Yeah. And what's your cost to print a book?
1: Um. So I did a run. Again, it's, it's about the, as you know, how many copies? I think I did about 7,000 copies and it was about
0: $4. A book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. The higher the volume, the less expensive yeah. it is. But then you're sitting on inventory if it's not moving. Exactly. Uh, With the, co- the supply chain issues since COVID, at least I'm experiencing it's harder to get a book printed, meaning you have to get in the queue and wait behind all the other books. Yes. Have you experienced the same thing? Uh,
1: yes. Is And it's happening with print-on-demand as well. Oh, really? Yeah, you just need to allow more time. So it used to be that we could get a book printed if we had... Maybe, say, four to six weeks yeah. notice, yeah. and now you should pretty much eight to 12.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, it used to be two to three months. Now it's six months or longer to get in the queue, it seems
1: like. Well, that might be for you in traditional. Yeah. But if you were working with a printer, yeah, it, you know. Yeah. I mean, the oh, you mean the queue? The queue. Yeah, you definitely need to notify them that you're going to need that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just
1: But the process of printing also takes longer is what I'm getting at. Oh yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. It, it all is taking longer. Um okay, so the royalties, what about the royalties? We talked about the print. What about the audio and electronic?
1: Well, the thing is that was my main deciding factor. Okay. I did my own audiobook, I get all of the money.
0: 100%.
1: I get my own I did my own KDP, I get all of the money.
0: Wow. So they just gave you the files and you upload it.
1: Yep, and I know how to do it, so it was no problem.
0: Oh my gosh. And what percentage of your sales are in audio or electronic versus print? What's the breakdown? I am
1: I am not you. Okay. I do not have these numbers at the top of my head. Okay. But uh you keep such a close eye on all these things. Yeah. This is your um I would it's say maybe work. a little bit of an obsession. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's good it serves you. Yeah. I would say that um ebook is a small percentage. Yeah. Most people want do audio and print.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if at least 30% of your sales are on audio, and it's probably more like
1: 40%. I am going to look, get that number yeah. for you. Yeah,
2: that's
0: awesome. Yeah. Um, but you get 100%.
1: 100% of the net, because obviously the net reflects what is ACX, Their Audible, fee. Yeah, 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 the yeah. fees for the distributors.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and that right there is so compelling for me. Because 52% of my sales are on audio. If I can get 100% of that, that offset may be worth not going with a mainstream publisher anymore.
1: I mean, my logic for myself, for those who want to hear this, is aside, you know, I wanted the control. I wanted the partnership and the team. Didn't want to do it myself. But ultimately, I know I wrote a classic. And that's me. I am typically a modest person. Yeah. But I did intend to write something that would stand the test of time. And I thought over time, I want more of the piece of the pie. Right. Right. And for those who are curious about this, I earned back the money I invested within the fee that I invested, earned it back within about 45 days. Wow. And then the rest, I think I've earned. Yeah. I've earned out the rest of the cost of printing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. By far. Yeah. And so write A Must Read, when I last looked uh, a, a few hours ago, it was ranked 17,000, whatever, on Amazon. That is a popular book. Yay. That is a popular book. And we have to check how it's trending you know, regularly to see. But you can look at your sales data. I strongly suspect it is selling stronger this month than it did last month. And last month was yes. Yeah. Which is, that's the momentum of a, that's the extraordinary momentum of a backlist book.
1: That's what you want to write. That's you what you need a to write. strong backlist title, no matter what path you're choosing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think the only way to explain why that phenomenon happens is a person has been served by the book so well they feel compelled to inspire others to buy that book.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have, I have people who reach out to me who are telling so many people about it. So that's what happens. You get this dip when everybody's reading and the book seems to not be selling that well, but it's because everybody's reading. Yeah. And then it picks up. Yeah. And that's when everybody finished reading and now they're telling everybody about it.
0: Yeah. Word of mouth. Who knew? It's the best marketing ever. Yeah. Everyone knew. That's who. Um, What should you get in a hybrid deal? So it includes the writer, the developmental editor, the copy editor, the proofreader, cover. it includes the whole get it
1: it should include all of that if it doesn't include that you should be concerned you you know you you might be able to negotiate if you hired your own developmental editor uh, early on in the process and you feel pretty good about it you might be able to get that money down a lot of my students do that um, but ultimately you should be getting developmental editor mm-hmm. copy editor proofreader
2: mm-hmm.
1: project team manager. Mm-hmm. Cover designer, interior page design, and ebooks, market positioning, anything to do with trade distribution, anything to do with getting your listings up. Um, that all should be done. And then some basic marketing stuff.
0: Right. That's what I was thinking. The super PR ba- person, right?
1: No, not even that. Okay. Just super basic, working with the sales team if there's a trade distribution. Um, maybe some banners or things like that for your social media maybe a consultation, you're just, those are the basics. Then they'll have add-ons. They'll have marketing packages that will cost more.
0: All said and done from the day you signed the contract with page two to having your book published, what was the, what was the time frame? What's the normal time frame?
1: Well, um, I'm not normal because as <laughs> I said earlier, I had some personal challenges yeah. and I had to keep pushing the date back. But if you have trade distribution, they're on the same schedule. As traditional, meaning they have the same seasons, they have the same s- sales team that needs a lot of advance notice. So, if I, I'll just do it like this. If I got the deal today, I would, I could be published maybe in late. So, right now, let's just it's say it's mid May. Right. I could potentially publish at the end of 24 more maybe early 25
0: all right so it's, right now we're recording may 2023 so you're saying a year and a half
1: or it could be a year it just kind of depends is yeah. your manuscript done yeah so when i signed i didn't have a manuscript
0: yeah all in comparatively is a two-year from signing to print uh, to on on market date or on publishing date or that date. yeah
1: so again, trade distribution adds a lot of time. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so plan realistically a year and a half.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless you're going to do print on demand with your hybrid publisher, which is definitely yeah. an option, and then you can you can decrease that time.
0: We didn't talk about this on the print on demand in last episode. Do they do print on demand in hardcover or is it only in softcover?
1: No, they do have hardcover now. They do. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. Do I need an agent? No. For any hard hybrid, no. Okay,
1: no agents. Okay, in fact, don't do it. Yeah, I guess why? Because would- you're already putting money in, and then they're going to get percentage.
0: And there's there's no need for there's it. There's right? no
1: need. You do need to get something together that's like a book. You either a book proposal, or you're going to have to follow their submission requirement. You're going to have to get them something. Yes. Who is this book for? Yeah. What's the main message? Where do you see it fits in the marketplace? Yeah. Where does it fit for you and yeah. your plans? How do you plan to promote it? And some of them you do need a full proposal. So it's good to go just check the submission requirements.
0: You know what's interesting is once you're established, I assume this is with your hybrid or your traditional, is the book proposal changes. It used to be, you know, for the first book, you had to write a 15, 20-page book proposal. as what we did for Pumpkin Plan. Now, we still write a book proposal, but it's really for our own planning. But
1: we don't really, though. It's really just like two pages. Right. <laughs> it's super short.
0: But Noah, the editor, it just says, Hey, just give me your idea and we'll, just, we'll throw it around. I think page two would be the same with you. Like if your next book, which I can't wait now, you just told you gave me a little tip off. I did. Don't say anything. I won't. I won't. Um, when you start working on the next book, if you decide to go with page two, based upon your performance, based upon the quality of your book, I assume it's just like, hey, I have an idea and you get signed up. Is that, is there truth to that?
1: Okay. I'd say for me, that's probably true. Yeah. I think you have to, you know, you have to be working to sell your book. Okay. Right? Like you you, you totally do. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if
2: you,
0: what I'm simply saying is your preceding book dictates how easy it is to sell the next book to, to the publisher.
1: Oh, a thousand times, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think, um, you know, the act of create, I just want to put a shout out for book proposals. Yeah. If you're, the, the reason we only have to do two pages, and I guess now you're telling me, I don't have to add that to my to-do list this year. If you don't want, we don't have to. Because we can just sell Noah, which is yeah. great. Yeah. Um, But it does force you to gain the clarity you need. Yeah. So it's an important and worthy exercise. Yeah, I agree. Even our little two-pager is worth doing. Yeah. You know? I think
0: it's really powerful coming with an outline. Yeah. And know what we're doing.
1: But when you're a new author, you've got to have that book proposal because you have to really think it through. Wait, what are my comparative titles? Where does my book fit in the marketplace? This is actually a huge, huge factor in how whether people decide to sign you or not. Yeah. When I had my publishing company, it would always annoy me when I would ask these authors. So we were fiction. And I'd say, well, who, you know. What authors do you love in the genre? Or where do you think your book fits in this in this genre? They aren't they weren't even reading other books in mm. the genre. Mm. So that's a red flag for me. Yeah. And when you can say this, I understand the market. I know this, I understand what's other books out there serve the same readership. This, these are they're great. This is how mine is different. You have to be able to have those conversations yes. and you have to do that work. The same with really thinking through your outline, thinking through how you plan to market it, thinking through not only what's the demographics of your audience, but the psychographics of your audience, and then also writing a killer couple chapters.
2: Yes. So
1: that is a process that is a worthy endeavor. And I think people should just do it.
0: I think it's even even worthy for a self-publish. Because y- you really start to understand how the book's gonna flow. And you know, the outline we wrote in our cabin trip for all in, yeah, the most recent book, versus what the book is today is, is
1: different. Yes. Not radically
0: different, but it's it's different. Yes. But we put in a tremendous amount of effort from the get go to understand the course it was taking and it gave it it gave it its north star yeah, that, that pitch gave it the North Star. Hey, um one last question I have for you is just owning the rights. When you go with a hybrid,, uh, you already touched on this the copyright versus distribution. Just can you explain how the rights work real quick? Who owns what?
1: Well, the hybrid, just like a traditional publisher, just has the right to publish,
0: which means distribute the the book,
1: yeah, and sometimes they also have rights to negotiate your subsidiary rights which is foreign translation, okay. film, video, audio, et cetera. But you can negotiate that out. You don't have to accept that. Okay. And you should read the contract carefully to make sure that they don't own any other aspect of your intellectual property.
0: And then your uh, copyright means, what what, can, what? what do you have the right to? I know it's your material, so no one else can use it, but can you use your own material in different ways?
1: So it depends on the contract. With hybrid, you can negotiate different types of deals uh remember it's your printed material not they don't they don't own your idea
0: right so you can you can make your idea into a service or you can write workbooks as long as in the contract it permits that
1: well they can never there should never be a contract that prevents you from using your ideas to have a service yeah but a workbook's a different thing if it's derivative of the original printed work yeah but i need you to think about it as they have the right to distribute this one body of work in this book. Gotcha. Not control over everything you ever think.
0: Okay, that's super clear. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on regarding hybrid? Just
1: one really important tip. Yeah. This is crucial. If you're trying to decide, do I do hybrid? Do I do traditional? Is hybrid my backup if I go for traditional? This is how I want you to time it. I want you to submit to hybrid and traditional at the same time. Don't wait to do hybrid when you've exhausted your traditional options. Mm. Because here's why. If they want you, if a hybrid company wants you, if they offer you a proposal, you can say, give me a minute to think about it. Yeah, You can turn it down. Yeah, For that matter, you can turn down traditional too. But yeah. point being, if you wait to start the hybrid process until you've exhausted your traditional options, now you're extending. I've just told you how long it can take. Yeah. Better if you've already have somebody lined up that will take it. Yeah. And then just set a timeline for yourself for traditional. So what I tell my students is, you know, aside I'm going to be in, I'm going to try for 3 months. I'm going to try for 4 months. Whatever number. And while you're trying for traditional, also submit to the hybrids and have those interviews and conversations so all that work is done. Yes, I love all that. All the vetting's done. And then if you decide to go with them, you're good to go.
0: And once you get accepted somewhere, it starts building confidence. So maybe yeah. you get a hybrid and now some traditionals are hemming and hauling. and say, well, I already have a deal. You have that confidence to go into that.
1: Yep. That's an important tip. Uh,
0: before we wrap things up, I want to invite our listeners to get the free materials we have and to join our email list. We have some cool stuff that we're sharing on there. It's dwtbpodcast.com. That's don't write that book, podcast.com. Also, we'd love to hear your stories maybe how you made your own bestseller, maybe you have your own best tips you want to share with us and we can in turn share with our audience, email us at hello at dwtbpodcast.com. Thanks again for joining us today. We are looking forward to having you join us on our next episode. And as always, don't write that book.